Before I got to know Christ, you know, growing up, uh, my parents were, you know, was this drugs, there was turmoil, you know, I come from a very big family, and I stand here today alone with no family. Um, but it's, it's, it's okay, you know, for me it's okay. Um, it's been a difficult journey for me. And I've always felt alone. I've never felt like I belonged anywhere. Um, the only person I ever felt that ever loved me was my father. And when he died, my world died with him. And I have ran from God 20 years. And the only people who I trusted to talk about God to was my two best friends, Annette and Roxanne. But God was always there. He never, ever let me go. I met my husband on the internet. And I had been done, abused, and I was just done, done. And I didn't think that I was capable of even being loved. But I met my husband, and he completely turned my world upside down. And it's only through God that I could have ever been blessed with such a man. I never wanted kids. I've got two beautiful little girls. And still, still I fought God. My parents were deacons of the church, and still... I didn't want to hear nothing. So angry. And then um, I, I started getting sick. And I had chronic pain. And I started to deal with depression and anxiety. And I felt suicidal. And over the last five or six years, it's been especially difficult for me. Um, this past eve of New Year's Eve, I thought I had lost my marriage. And I had hit rock bottom. I thought, this is it. I'm going to die. And I came here, and I finally feel like I belong somewhere. I don't feel alone anymore. And I am so thankful to God because he never let me go. He never let me go no matter what I felt. He was there with me. And I see it now, and I only wish that I would have given myself to him soon. But I'm thankful. I'm thankful. harvest is plentiful, and we're going to be looking at Matthew chapter 9, verse 35 to 38, and really reading what Jesus said about the harvest, and understanding that what Jesus said back then is very much living and active for us today. So you can read with, uh, you can't read with me, I forgot to put the verses on the screen, I'm just realizing that right now. Um, I, got, I was too excited this morning and printed my sermon and ran out of the house before putting it on the screen. Uh, but you can listen to me. I'm going to be reading, or if you have your phone, you can read along on Matthew chapter 9, verses 35 to 38. It says, And Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them. Because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. 
You know, uh, a lot of people believe that uh, what I always hear from kind of one generation to the next is the world is getting worse. And I hear that a lot. And I asked the custodian today not to turn on the AC so that we feel hell in the room as I preach. I want to increase our baptism numbers, so be scared if you think it's hot here today. Jump in the pool with me after service. (laughs) Oh, that's right. John just reminded me, if you are a baptism candidate... Uh, You may get up now and follow John outside of this door. If you are getting baptized today, you want to get baptized today, you can follow John this way outside the door. That's right. Cheer them on. Look at all of these people proclaiming Jesus as Lord and Savior. This is incredible. Love you, Eddie. It is just incredible to see how many people are dedicating their life to Jesus today, publicly. So we see, I I hear this a lot. Many people look at the world and they always say, the world's going downhill. You know, every, you know, my, un- my great Uncle Louie, Uncle Louie is a great guy. He is 91 years old. Uh, he is the last surviving brother of six Italian brothers uh, who he was, grew up during the Great Depression. Uh, and so whenever he, he talks to me, whenever I have him, he, he asks me, Justin, you know, he goes, Justin, just like that, you know, Italians, that old school, don't have a volume knob on their voice. He's screaming at me whenever he talks to me. He goes, I don't know why you are bringing children into the world. And I'd be like, Uncle Louie, what are you talking about? He goes, the world is going downhill, Justin. Uh, he actually calls me Jesse. I don't, I don't get it. But he says, Jesse, I don't know why you're having kids anymore. You got to stop having kids. The world is getting worse. You don't want to have kids today. I'm like, Uncle Louie, it's okay. And really what happens as the world changes The world that he loved and he grew up in is very different than the world today, and a lot of people perceive change as bad. And so many times, from one generation to the next, the older generation looks at the younger generation and says, man, I'm happy I'm not growing up today because the world just seems to be getting so much worse. We read statistics about millennials and Gen Z and how much they're turning away from the church, and people perceive that as them turning away from God and from Jesus. You know, you will probably hear books or you hear sermons about how America is becoming more postmodern and anti-Christian. But what I want to share today is how untrue this is. What I want us to understand is that When you believe in the gospel, you believe in a world that is being constantly renewed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. That when we look towards the end and we see what is happening, what we see is a new heavens and a new earth that God is creating through his people today here on earth. And if you look at statistics about poverty, about access to clean water, about um, access to food and kind of things that we take for granted as America, we realize that 
Today, more than ever in the history of the world, we have people that have access to clean water. It's still not perfect. There's still a lot to do, but we are getting better as a world day by day, even though if you watch the news for more than five minutes, it would have you think that the world is going to hell in a handbasket really, really quickly. And you may have seen millennials leaving the church one by one, but what I've learned is that younger generations may be leaving the church, but they are not leaving their quest for God and for Jesus. See, the gospel and Jesus is not the problem in America. It's the church, mainly, that has been an issue. I think of the Me Too movement. Pastor after pastor has been caught in scandal around these issues. And if we look at the church and we look at Hollywood, sometimes I don't see the difference between the two. And we wonder why generations looking for authenticity and looking for honesty are turning away from the church. It's because when we look at scandal, we don't have to look just at politicians anymore, but we also look at church leaders today. We look at fly-by-night pastors who have no accountability, no overseeing of them, and they damage people left and right because really they're building their own platforms and not building the kingdom of God. What I've come to understand is that people are still hungry to know God. The real question is, are we as the church willing to step up and labor for them? The gospel is still active today. The gospel has its power today. The words of Jesus ring true that the harvest is plentiful. There is no shortage of people who are hungry to know God, who are desperate to learn about their creator, that when they encounter his presence are willing to say, you know what, I will leave it all behind. Today, just in our small little church, in our small little nook of NYC, we see over 20 people in our church that are willing in this postmodern world, in this anti-Christian world, in this, this, this anti-church world that we see ready to conform to Jesus, join the church, and try again. We heard just that one story of Mike of how powerful God is still at work today and restoring family and restoring marriages and restoring people, individual people. I want to share some stories with you today to encourage you about how God is still at work. I'll share some of my college days with you. There was this one statistic that I read when I was in college, and it was this. 68% of incoming freshmen... We're asking questions about God. I remember as I was going into college, I was one of those naysayers about the world that, man, if you go into college, you are forsaking, you know, professors, all they're going to try to do is try to get you to forsake your Christianity, forsake your religion, and that is true. I remember my uh, first class in history, the teacher said that if you believed in the creation account, you were an idiot. And that was my first day in college, right? So this, this is true, but it is also true that a lot of the students would hear things like that and still make them want to seek out for themselves, is God real? What we do not have is we don't have a problem of people wondering about the truth of God because all of creation longs to meet its creator. And so I read that statistic, 68% of incoming freshmen 
were asking questions about God. And I remember that opened up my eyes to know that I was actually in a place that was ripe for harvest. And that got me to change my prayers during that time of my prayer of survival in college. God, I pray that I make it out of college alive. That was my prayer as I was getting into college. Especially after that first day, I was thinking, man, what am I up against? But I began to pray how Jesus told his disciples to pray. He said, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. I began to pray, God, I pray that you would send laborers and that I would be a laborer in this college of your harvest because I know that the harvest is plentiful. I started to look at my school differently of, man, this isn't just a place of death. This isn't a place where people just go to reject God, but this is a place where many people, the majority of people entering into college are searching for answers about God. And I pray, God, that you would use me to help answer those questions for them. In a couple of years in our chapter, we saw some of these uh, answers to prayer. We actually became, I went to Baruch College in Manhattan, uh, the most diverse college in the United States, uh, had over 16,000 students going to the college at the time. Uh, and I, uh, my first semester there, uh, or my second semester, it's, you know, it's a long time ago, over a decade now, um, back then, and I would pray, I would let a prayer group, and all we would do is pray for the school. Um, within two years, what we saw happen in our, uh, in our fellowship called InterVarsity was incredible. Uh, our chapter became the largest student body on campus. So there were over 100 student clubs in Baruch, and they all had all their different activities, everything that was going on. We actually became the largest active student body on campus, the Christian club. Can you believe it? So much so that the student government started to recognize what we were doing and how much it was benefiting the college campus that they began to give us awards. They gave us award for throwing on the best event of the year. They gave us award for being the most active club on campus, and we began to see people come to Christ. Right when I started coming to, I mean, just during my college years, I met one of my best friends, Stephanie. She came to Christ right when I was entering into college, uh, and she helped plant our church today. And so God is active still. Melody is another one uh, right here. She's also in the front. Came to Christ during college in our intervarsity years. And uh, I, I remember going into college thinking this is going to be hard soil. But when I heard that statistic and I began to pray, I realized that the soil of people's hearts has been primed by God. He is the Lord of the harvest. He is the one that prepares people's hearts and their lives. The Holy Spirit is the one that draws them. It doesn't matter what, what, what philosophy or what professor or what cultural norms are happening in the day. The simple fact is this, is that Jesus is the Lord of the harvest, and that his harvest is ripe. And we can join him in laboring for that harvest. We cannot be fooled as a church and just read the news every day online or watch the news, you know, after we eat dinner or before we eat dinner and think, man, I give up. That's the enemy's plan. For us to give up. Why? Because the laborers are few. 
But if we instead listen to the call of Jesus and realize that the harvest is ready, that it is ripe and that it is plentiful, and we change our perspective and realize that more people than we ever thought are asking questions about God and looking for people to give them answers and the truth, then we will realize that if we just open up our mouth and believe in the power of the gospel, then we can see people get saved. That this Baptism Sunday will only be one of many that we see in our church, that the harvest is plentiful and ripe. I remember during my youth pastor days, we had an event, uh, one of my favorite events. Uh, anybody that knows me, right, I, I, I own a marketing company, so a lot of people think I'm creative, and people always come to me asking me to help them make a name for something. Uh, and if you ever, if you know me, you realize I'm the worst at naming anything. I did not come up with a name for the church. I went to Stephanie and David's house for that because I know they're really good. And uh, so the event that we put on back then when, uh, when I was leading the youth was called Skate for Jesus, right? I think of very functional names. We're going to have a bunch of skaters and we're going to do it for the church. So let's just call it Skate for Jesus. But we put on this event in the park and you would think like an event like that nowadays, no, no teenager is ever going to come to that. Like it's just the most corny, ridiculous name in the world, but I remember we showed up at the park only one week of telling people about it, and 300 kids showed up to our event, Skate for Jesus. One 13-year-old boy who had uh, engaged with us at that time, he had come to youth as well. I remember specifically the night that he had come because he had really long hair, it's like right here, and he brought a kitten with him. And in the middle of the service, I kept hearing a cat meow and I'm thinking, where the heck did a cat, why is there a cat in here? But whenever I went to look for the cat, he kept hiding it in his book bag so that I couldn't find the cat the whole service. And it wasn't until after that he pulled it out that at that point it didn't matter. The service was over. The kid brought a cat. Today, he is 20 years old. He's serving on the worship team at Resurrection Church because he committed his life to God during that time and brought many of his friends with him. I mean, we would see teenagers not only come to Christ, but we would see them begin to lead their friends to Christ. See, the, the thing about it is the enemy will always try to get you to think neg negatively so that you keep your mouth closed. He would tell you it is not worth it. Your flesh would say, listen, people are going to mock you. People are going to look at you differently. People are do, is it really worth it? Do they really want to know about Jesus? But what I have come to understand is that when the gospel is proclaimed with clarity, when the gospel is proclaimed in sincerity, when the gospel is proclaimed in truthfulness, there is always a harvest to be had. I remember at that point it was a kickoff of just seeing teenagers constantly coming to know Jesus, begin to follow him, and then to tell their friends about him. You know, at that point I realized for teenagers, all the teenagers in this room, there are no age limits to following Jesus. If you come to our church and you think, man, that is only for the older people, then you are wrong. What we had was we had 100 teenagers that loved Jesus and shared the news, the good news of Jesus on a constant basis in their high schools and in their colleges. There is no age limit. Jesus doesn't say that you can be a disciple if you are over 18, right? If you can get into the club with your ID, then maybe you can also proclaim the gospel, 21 and over only. That is not the truth. 
I still remember some of the, my first memories of leading my friends to Christ. I was only eight years old, nine years old. There is no age limit. It doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter how young you are. If you are breathing right now, then God has purpose for you to be on mission on the earth. If he was done with you being a part of his mission on the earth, you would be with him in heaven. And so I encourage you every day that you draw breath, know that God wants to use that breath to proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God for him on earth so that we can pray, as Jesus said, God on earth as it is in heaven. I also think of today. All right, we have over 20 people that signed up for the baptism. I don't know how many are actually getting baptized soon. Some were doing later on that couldn't make it today. But I think about some of the struggles that I had, even when we were starting the church, some of the thoughts that came into me, some of the lies of the enemy saying, Justin, nobody wants to go to a church anymore. Why are you, why are you starting a new church? What is, what is the point? You're not gonna see anybody get saved. You know, church has been done over and over and over again. Why are you going to do this? But the vision and the mission of God was too strong for me to give into that and to say, you know what, it's not worth it. And today is the day, like, you know, there, there was a lot of hard work. There's going to be a lot of hard work. There's a lot of laboring that goes on. There's a lot of hardship. There's a lot of pain with starting a church, with leading a church. But today, days like today are the days that make it worth it for me because I know that when I am in heaven with Jesus, I will be rejoicing with the ones that are being baptized today because we as a church did not keep our mouths shut and we went on mission with Jesus because we believe that the words that he said are true, that the harvest is plentiful. I wonder if we are going to be a church that believes the word of Jesus, that the harvest is plentiful, that it is ripe, that the Holy Spirit is alive, that he is active, that he is doing his work on earth today, that he is still bringing healing to the sick. He is still bringing freedom to the ones that are in bondage, he is still mending the broken heart. Do we believe that the Holy Spirit is still doing that work today? Will we be a church that takes Jesus at his word, that says he is the Lord of the harvest, that all we need to do is become laborers? Will we be a church of laborers? I will say, I don't go to church for my own comfort, but I go to serve others. I go to see the mission of God go forth on the earth. It says, Jesus said in the Great Commission, to the ends of the earth, that we will be making disciples. From what started in Jerusalem thousands of years ago, will we continue that now in New York, a place that they had no clue even existed? They didn't know this land was even around. But yet Jesus was serious when he said, go to the ends of the earth. All he needed were willing laborers. That's what he said to pray for. Pray for willing people that will go and reap this harvest. We have been talking for almost three months now about what it means to be on mission. We've talked about how to do the mission. We've talked about what the mission is. Really, as we end the series, this week and next week are the last series, our concluding weeks in the series, we really have to ask ourselves, will we participate in this mission? Will we be laborers with God? 
Will we be people that sit in the stadium and be observers, or will we be participants in the mission? Truly being a disciple is being a laborer for the mission. Every disciple that Jesus had was on mission, and that is why it is the mission of the church, because he basically said, this is the, this is the point. This is the purpose. This is what you are supposed to be doing. This is what we get up for. This is what we go to sleep thinking about when we go to church. We don't think about ourselves, but we think about the harvest. We think, God, how can I join you in reaping this harvest? How can I join you in seeing this come into fruition? How can I be a laborer? This has to be on our mind as a church. Zion, we have to be people that say, how can I labor in the mission of Jesus? How can I labor in the church to see people come to know you, God? That I would not be selfish and keep this good news, this peace, this grace, this mercy, this joy all to myself, but I must let other people know about the freedom that I experience. About the sacrifice of my king about his conquering of death, about my new life outside of sin. God is still at work today, and the question is, will we join him? Will we earnestly pray that others join us as well? pray that from our church that there would be constant celebration in heaven. That in our church there would be constant celebration of people coming to know Jesus. I pray that we would continually join, as it says in Luke 15, the celebration in heaven of the lost being found. I pray that it would never be said of our church that we were a church that did not have enough laborers. We did not have enough people who are willing to pay the price, to give up their rights, and to sacrifice as our Lord Jesus did to be on this mission of reconciliation of his people with himself. If you may be asking at this point, how do I join this mission? How do I become a laborer? Well, there's many ways that you can become a laborer, and I want to go through some of them right now. One of the easiest ways is to just simply start serving in the church. We have a collective mission as a church. This is what we live for days like today. This is why we do what we do. This is why we come here every week, in my opinion. This is why I do it. This is as we mature as Christians. This is, should be why we do it too. Right? If we serve as a host, we can make people feel welcome the minute that they enter into the doors. Do you know that some people have come to Christ just because they were warmly welcomed? on their way into a church service, into our church service. People have told me that they have decided to make this home because somebody warmly greeted them at the door and they had some decent food to eat with some good company before and after service started. If you are looking for a way to labor, be a host. Join our hospitality team. You can join the tech crew. Right? These are the people that every single week make sure that we have everything set up from A to Z so that people can hear the gospel preached. 
so that they can hear it sung throughout songs every week in our worship. If you are looking, how can I be a laborer? It can be something as simple as just setting up speakers, going to the U-Haul spot, helping with the TVs, making sure the sound is proper. And you will know that you are participating in the mission of the church so that people can hear the gospel proclaimed in song and in word. It could be joining Z Kids and teaching the kids weekly about Jesus and what he's done. Because scripture says that as kids get older, they will not depart from what they've learned when they were younger. And so you will be playing a part in a young person learning about Jesus so that when they get older and hardship comes and the wind comes and the rain comes and the, when the storms come, that they will remember where they should build their house on the solid rock of Jesus Christ. You can serve in ministering to the young kids every week and teaching them about Jesus Christ. You can join the outreach team. Today, after service, the outreach team is meeting. If you want the details, you can talk to Melody. She's the one hosting today. You can look at the app. We have all the details right there. These are people that are gathering intentionally so that we can go out into the harvest on a regular basis and proclaim the good news ourselves. In two weeks, we start a Sunday school class about what it means. How do you become a laborer in your workplace or in your family or even going to the store just to buy some candy? How does that work? We have a four-week adult Sunday school class starting in two weeks. The first week, in, not the first, the second week in September. It's going to be an after-church class. I'm going to put it up on the app either tomorrow or Tuesday. And someone will be teaching us that, that what it means to live a life of constantly being on mission no matter where we are. So if you wonder, how do I start a conversation about Jesus? How do I do that if I'm just going to the store or if I'm with one of my friends at work or if I'm at a family gathering or at a friend's birthday party? How do I do it in a way that is wise like we talked about last week and also innocent? Well, we have adult Sunday school class for that. It's only four weeks We'll be serving pizza so that if you're hungry after service. I don't know what the church did without pizza back in the day, honestly. I want you to see as every single person gets baptized today outside, remember, how can I join to make this happen again? Every single person that gets baptized, if you are a laborer in the church, if you have already joined this person, I want you to celebrate with Jesus and the angels today of all of the people that are declaring their life because you are a part of this harvest. And I pray that we continue to see ourselves not as spectators, but as laborers in the kingdom of God to proclaim the good news of healing, of freedom, and of Jesus Christ. I'm going to pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you, God, that you call us to join you in this work. Lord, that we can participate with you. What an honor it is to participate with you in your work, God. There is nothing that we can do that is more fulfilling than that. Father, I pray that you would help us to have this burden in our hearts to be laborers. That we would join you in this mission. 
Lord, that we would join you in this work and that we would also not only join, but that we would pray to the Lord of the harvest for more, that there would be more laborers, that there would be more people who get down and do the dirty work and begin to serve, Lord, just like their master, just like our master, Jesus Christ, has done who came to serve and not to be served. Father, I pray that it would be said of our church that we are a church of laborers. We are a church who is unafraid to get our hands dirty in the work of the kingdom. This is amazing. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You laid down your life. That I would be Jesus, I sing for all that you've done.